Welcome back to the Olive Tree Church Podcast. If you're new to this channel, we hope you find this content helpful and inspiring. To find out more about OTC, head over to our website or social media channels linked in the description. We hope you enjoy this past Sunday's message. Why not try it out? It is such a good course. So if you are available, you really want to do Alpha. And uh, if you are looking to lead it, I've been leading Alphas right the way through COVID. And honestly, probably the best time ever is watching people come to Christ through the process of, of Alpha. But otherwise, it is so good to be with you. And uh, welcome back some people I haven't seen for three years. It is nice to see you guys. It is good to be with you today. And we're doing this relationship series. Now, normally when I preach, I'm trying to do two or three things. I'm trying to help people find Jesus, and I'm trying to give them revelation, like an understanding of what God's saying that helps them grow. Today, I'm trying to give you a tool. I honestly think this tool is a superpower. I think that it will serve you so well in relationship. In fact, if love is the power, I think this is like the engine. The, the, if love is the engine, this is the car that, that love goes in. And if you will listen to this tool, I really believe it will serve you incredibly well. Now, last week, Christy opened up this concept of connection. And she, she spoke about the fact that relationships exist for connection. Let me tell you this. My, my little baby, Livy, she's two years old. And uh, she's going through kind of a separation anxiety. Because kids get milestones. Like when, when they're born, they cry. Why do they cry? They want connection. They want, they want to be held. They, they want togetherness. And then at about seven months, they go absolutely nuts. And you see moms coming out of the cry room at the back. And the mom's crying. Because the, the child just is... is the child's got separation anxiety. The child has just realized, I am a separate human being. I need connection. My child is two. At two, what they do is try and push all the limits because they want to see just how far we can go as a two-year-old. But then whenever they go too far, they want more connection. So they cry and they go back to, to your wife. Uh, well, Libby's just going to mom the whole time, which is but anyway, she just keeps going back. And so my wife's shattered. I'm just looking at her and I'm realizing, man, she's, she's so tired. She's utterly exhausted because this child wants so much connection. Now, here's the, here's the insight. From the moment you were born, you are hunting for connection. You are longing to feel connected. In fact, you all know what it's like when I've got a mate there, mate there, mate there, mate there, mate there, mate there. When, when I've got all my friends around and I'm feeling connected to them, I feel like I can take on the world. You know that feeling? Like you just, oh, I'm feeling like we, we're one in this thing. When in marriage, my wife gets me and I get her and I understand her and she understands me and we're feeling like we're connected, man, we can take on anything. But when, we, when we're not connected, oh my, we will just fight about everything. Some of you in that place. 
So this is how I tried to explain it. I did this in the first service. It went badly, but let's see, because now I've got experience. Do not do this at home. Well, no, do this at home. Just don't do this in public like I'm about to do. This, I'm going to take my belt off. It is necessary for, for the example. Do not be afraid. Nothing bad will happen to you, and nothing else is coming off. When my connection is strong with Sam, then what I can do is I can pull her along through anything. Now, I don't know where Ames is, but uh, Sam, just put your foot on the, on the thing. When connection is strong, we can take on like my worst issues. We can take on debt. We can take on absolute wounds and messes, and we can pull each other through it. You know what it's like. If you're married, you know what it's like. When the connection is strong, you can get through virtually anything. And when the connection is weak, would you mind going back down there? Imagine this was a spider's web, and I've got issues. All that happens is it just breaks. The goal of relationship is to have deep, meaningful, intimate connection. Now I'm going to put this back on. And this is going to be awkward. You're going to look at me. I'm going to look at you. We're going to look at each other weirdly. And, uh, and it will be back on. So, last night, um, I've been, we were with the kids the whole day. Livy's kind of all over. Um, this is a bit weird. It feels like I'm getting dressed as I speak to you. Livy's, uh, she's been all over Ames. And, and Ames, eventually, she gets like five months out. She comes, she comes up to me and she says to me, she says, babe, oh, at last, it's just two adults. I just want to connect with you. And at this moment, as a male, you're both highly anxious and highly excited. You don't know where this is going to go. This could be a happy moment in your life. And, and so you're going, I wonder what she wants. So she says these words to me. She says, man, my back is hurting so much because I just keep on having to lean over that cot and, and pick up Livy. And, uh, and now I've got options. And because I'm a male and I can't work out what she's actually asking, I'm going, is this the moment where I offer a massage? Could go well. Is this the moment where I come up with a solution? Or, or do we talk? And I thought about the massage moment for a, for a while, but I could see that look on her face and it didn't look like a massage moment. So I just I dumped that idea. And, and I thought to myself, she genuinely has a sore back. I wonder how I can help her. And I did what 50% of this room would do. I said, babe, do you want me to fix the cot or do you want to bring Livy into the bed? To which she said, I just wanted to connect with you. Sure. Now, at that moment, what happened is I went into what we all go into, a moment of defensiveness because I'm not a mind reader, how am I supposed to know? Like, I, I'm trying here. And when we go into defensiveness, uh, if you were part of our life groups, I, I, I spoke about the six animals that come out. You see, when, when we get defensive, we, we start acting a little bit animal-like. We go into flight or fight, and, and there's six animals that I like to use as examples. There is a honey badger. Some of you are honey badgers. When you get defensive, your attitude to being, feeling like conflict and threat is out there is attack anything. Just attack it. 
Honey badgers, if you've ever seen them in the wild, you can drive up to honey badgers, they can hardly see, so they just did bite it, just attack it. Some of you, you're like that. Some of you like spring hairs. A spring hair is when conflict arises, a spring hair is just, it's gone. The body might be there, but she is gone. I don't know where she went. She's just disappeared. Conflict creates that. Some of you, mostly guys, are like tortoises. Conflict comes, you disappear into the garage. What you do there, nobody knows. Two days later, you come back. Like, what, what is that? So, for some of you, you are some of you like going, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm losing my animals now. Uh, you're sending me off. Ah, some of you. Some of you like buffalo. The thing about a wounded buffalo, when you wound a buffalo, it goes into thick bush, and you think it's in the thick bush. But whilst you're tracking it, it's tracking you to kill you. <laughs> some of you, you're like buffalo. Uh, I think I've left one out, but some of you like... How many cat lovers? You know, cats are basically passive-aggressive. You have issues, you lot. But uh, they're, they're basically passive-aggressive because think about a cat. It comes up to you and nudges you when it wants something, and then it ignores you for four days. And then every now and again, it hooks you on the way past. That's passive-aggressive. Some of you, that's what you do. What happens in a relationship is when we hit conflict, our brains go into that flight and fight and fear mode, and one of those animals comes out. And so the cat comes out and the tortoise goes in. And then what happens is over the next two days, he's fixing whatever he's fixing. Cat's sulking over there. And two days later, they go, I know, this is enough of this. This is stupid. It's unproductive. We are going to come into a place of agreement. We're going to get ourselves together and we're going to sort this out. We're going to agree on it. And pretend the fight they had was that she's always late and he always wants to be early, because this never happens with any couple. And so what happens is that she goes, she's the cat, she goes, but we just need to agree on a new solution. And so he says, cool, you're going to be early. And she goes, no, 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 that wouldn't be agreement. She says, how's about this? We will arrive places five minutes late. Because we're in Durban, and that's basically early. So five minutes late. And he goes, okay, I can do that. So he thinks to himself, okay, five minutes late. Now, guess what? They're all connected. Now they love each other again. No. All that's happened now is battle lines have been drawn. Because agreement doesn't build connection. Now, I know that we were taught that if you can come into a place of alignment or agreement, we will find connection. It only works in the spaces in which it was taught, in the classroom. Little Johnny steals your sweet. There are two ways to get him back into agreement. Hit him into the, in the nose, he will come into agreement with you. He will never do it again, and he'll give you back the sweet. Or the teacher comes and says, if you do that again, Johnny, you're going to go into de detention. Agreement. Now the relationship's sorted. We're okay. We can move forward. It works in the classroom. It works on the sports field. You play for the Springboks, you deviate from the, the plan, the strategy, you get dropped. So you stay in agreement. And that's how sports teams work. It works in boardrooms, in, in the work context. When you, one person has this idea, one person has that idea, what do we do? We come together, we blitz them it out, everybody has their say. At the end of it, we go, 
Johnny has the best idea. Let's use someone else. Sean has the best idea. We're going to use Sean's idea. Let's move forward. Everybody puts their ego aside and off we go. Agreement. It works. Everywhere. Except marriage. Now, here's how you know this. Because when you get into a fight with your wife, when you get into a fight with your husband, you go, and this works brilliantly. Men, you think about this. I'm being a little bit sarcastic. Have you ever won a fight with your wife? (laughs) Have you ever proved her wrong and gone, man, that was a win? One, you were wrong. But secondly, apart from just you were wrong, even if you win, you still lose. Ladies, have you ever won a fight with your husband and actually won? You never win. Men, you know what it's like. Even if you convince them that they're wrong, you're still not getting any supper. It's just, it's not going to move forward. Because agreement doesn't build connection. Agreement is not the way of relationships. So let me teach you a way that will help you in relationships. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 10. It says this. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to Jesus and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, I love when Jesus does this. He just throws out these little bombs. What he's actually doing, sneaky Jesus, he's going, do you know who you're speaking to? You call me good, only God's good. Do you know? You got the insight? That's what's going on. Then he says, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, the rich young guy says to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, no, I just want to dive in here. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Now remember, Mark is writing down Peter's sermons. So whenever you read the book of Mark, you're actually reading Mark's traveling along with, with Peter and he's writing down Peter's sermons. So I asked myself this question. How did Peter know that Jesus looked at him and loved him? Because am I looking at you now and loving you? Not you, Brie, I'm about to tune you. No, it's just, how, how do you know? You know, when you dive into this verse, it says, Jesus looked at him. In some versions, it says, looked intently at him. If you translate it directly, it actually says, Jesus looked into him. Looking into a person is called empathy. See, empathy is the superpower. Empathy is the ability to emotionally understand what other people feel, see, sorry, what other people feel. See things from their point of view and imagine yourself in their place. Let's try again. Empathy is the ability to emotionally understand what other people feel, see things from their point of view, and imagine yourself in their place. Empathy is a superpower. Now, let me tell you why it's such a superpower in a relationship. In marriage, you hardly ever 
get into a, into a rut of fighting about stuff that's right and wrong. That hardly ever happens. Like if it does, you go to the counselor or you go to the lawyer, you go to whatever. Like you sort it out. You are constantly taking drugs. Okay, that is not what most people are spending their life fighting about in marriage. That is sometimes the case. Then we've got all kinds of avenues for that. But mostly, what we fight about are not right and wrong issues. Mostly, we fight about the fact that she is a spender and he is a hoarder. He is a saver. Or he is an extrovert and he wants to go out every single night. She is an introvert and she wants to stay at home. Oh, this is how we used to do things in my family. And this is how I want to do things in my family. These are the things we constantly fight about and they wear our connection down. And, and guess what? All you have to do is get to a place of agreement and sort it all out. It just doesn't work. Because neither of these people are wrong. In fact, they've both got beauty in how they're wired. Now, here's what empathy does. Empathy takes this person, and when they try to see the world through this person's eyes, they go, why are you so determined to spend so much? And she says, man, I don't want to spend so much. It's just that I love to give. I, I just, I love to give. And when I feel like I'm blessing people and giving people, I feel like the true me starts to come out. You know what happens when that starts? This dude moves over there. And then when she says to him, I need to understand, why is it that you just never want to spend anything? And he goes, when I was growing up, my family, we, we could hardly put two coins together. We lived constantly on the brink of not having anything. And it just scares the life out of me that I'll go back there. Then what she does is she just moves this far. That there, that is called a manageable tension. That you can deal with. Marriage works in manageable tension. Relationships work in manageable tension. But when there's no empathy, this is called war. Because I don't understand what's driving this thing. And even if I do understand, I don't care. Here's how this works. When this is a belt, because you're connected, and the economy starts to take us on a downward track, then the spender starts to move. And the saver moves with them. And when the economy turns and you suddenly get a promotion and all kinds of things, good things happen, then what starts to happen is this person starts to move and this person starts to move with them. That is marriage. And that only happens where empathy is strong. So Jesus looks into this guy and he loves him. That's empathy. So I do this thing with premaritals. I just need a, a husband and a wife to come sit here and look each other in the eyes. Just two and love people. And if you don't come up, then I just choose you. 
Which, which of the two in the front? Okay. No, Tim and Sam, come. You're just looking so mature. And, and plus, he, he almost pushed her up there. Oh, don't they look delightful? Oh. No, you just... You can only get, get empathy in three, three steps. Now, singles, I'm going to tell you why this is so important in a little while. Work environment people, if you're working, I'm going to tell you why this is so important. So this is like not the time to go to sleep and count how many chairs we have. This is the moment to, to engage. Three steps to empathy. First step is this. You need to be able to hear, to listen. So what I do, I do this, this little thing in, in premarital. I tell them to look lovingly into each other's eyes. <laughs> I feel like a, a, a little, an arrow went there, but it's okay, I advanced it <laughs> Look lovely, lovingly into each other's eyes. And then I say, relive a horrible fight you had. Now, this is a lot of fun for me. It's like watching contact sport. It's just a boxing match about to happen. And then I say, this is how you're going to work through this. Sam, you're going to speak. In fact, you're the thinker, huh? Do you think faster than him? Okay, so Tim, you're going to speak because he's the feeler. And feelers often feel bullied. And you're going to say... When you did this, this is what I felt. And you're going to speak in sentences, not paragraphs. Okay, but it's a guy, so it'll be sentences. Then he will start to say, hey, Sam, when you spoke about me like that in, in front of our mates there, it made me feel really disrespected. And she's going to repeat back. When you spoke, when I spoke to our mates with you there, and, and I, I, you felt really disrespected. And then he'll carry on. And the reason I felt really disrespected was that I want those people to respect me. And I felt like that was an overshare. And she goes back. And the reason you felt like that was because it was an overshare. And, and this goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I'm not doing it justice because I can't remember what I just said. But, but this keeps going back. She keeps repeating backwards and forwards. Now, generally what happens when I do this in premarital, 50% of the cases, when she gets to the third sentence that she has to repeat back, the little girl inside of her, it's usually the little boy in the, inside of the guy, but the little girl inside of her goes, stuff you. That's not what went down. I was trying to help you, you loser. Like it starts to come up from inside of her and he, she slowly wants to strangle him to death because, because of what he's saying. And so she can't repeat back. She can't keep listening. Because each of us have this little thing inside of us called an ego. And that ego, when it starts to get threatened, all those animals come out and we just want to be right and we lose empathy, and we get into war zones. So I come along and I play ref and I say, no, no, I just want you to repeat back to him. Just let's keep to the process, keep to the process. You know what happens? He keeps speaking, she keeps speaking back, he keeps speaking, she keeps speaking back. At the end of it, she'll say these words. She'll say, because now the blood pressure has gone from over here down to back into her heart. The little girl inside has calmed down. She'll go, man, I can understand. Empathy requires listening. It requires understanding. I can understand 
how you must have felt really, really disrespected. And then you'll start to see relief come over here. And then she'll say, man, I can imagine that really must have hurt. I'm so sorry. And then, boy or girl, you'll just see tears. You know what's going on? We just rebuilt connection. Connection happened because of empathy. You take empathy out, you go back to your, I'm gonna prove you right, I'm gonna show you why, we're gonna get a place of agreement, and you just go back into war zone. The goal of relationship is connection. The tool to get connection is empathy. Now, thank you so much. Husbands, let me tell you why you have to hear this. Because in 1 Peter 3, it says this. In the same way, husbands, you must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, do you want God going, la, 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 can't hear you? Just treat your wives with no empathy, and God will go, la, 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 can't hear. If you want your prayers answered, you want God involved in your marriage, you want God involved in your finances, you want God involved in your business, empathy. Singles, you're going to have to write this down. It is so profound. It, if, you, if you don't write this down, you lose it. Like you'll, you'll, It'll hurt you. Here's what I want you to know. If he doesn't have empathy, he is a jerk. Don't date him. If they don't have empathy, there's a big problem. Don't date. Now, I want to tell you what empathy is not. Empathy is not me giving up my convictions, my person. It is not me moving from who I am to who you are. That is not empathy. That is called a doormat. That is a non-person. That is what you do for the first six months of dating. That is when he says to you, babe, can I wear these, these shoes out? And you say to him, you lie. You say to him, babe, you make Crocs look good. That, that is what's going on. It's just the first season of marriage. Empathy is not that. Empathy is the ability to see through another person's eyes and feel what they feel and listen to them and often not agree anyway. Working people, here's why you need empathy. I often boast about my, my wife. Because in a working context, she can sit with someone who has just done something silly, and she can ask them questions and listen with such deep empathy that the person feels so, so loved. And then at the end of it, she will say, and if you do that again, I'm afraid I'm going to fire you. And throughout the conversation, the person felt love. And at the end of it, she felt like the consequence was, was clear. Because Amy can love, but not give up her person. Empathy is not about giving up your person. It's just seeing the world through the other person's eyes. Because here's what Jesus does. 
He says this. He says, the guy wants to be perfect. He says, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And then the Bible says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. Now let me tell you what Jesus has done because he's a genius. Jesus had looked into his heart. He had built such deep connection that he had left the issue in Bones' hands and gone, I'm going that way. Love you. I see your world. I understand you. But I'm going this way anyway. And it's up to you whether you follow me or not. And in that moment, the connection was so strong that it gave that guy the best chance of six months later, two years later, four years later going, I must follow Jesus. This is how Jesus works. Now, you need it as a single. You need to grow into empathy. You do it by hanging around people who hurt and going places where people have experienced pain that you can only imagine and asking domestic workers questions about their lives and beginning to sit in other people's pain despite your discomfort and stopping yourself from saying, if only they and if only them and if the government would, just go where the pain is and ask lots of questions. And what you'll find is that that tiny little empathy muscle begin to grow. And you will look a bunch more like Jesus. But let me tell you why this is the most important. Because in Hebrews 4, it says this. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Then listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I spent a little bit of time with a friend the other day. And he was in a world of pain. And I sat with him and I looked into his eyes and I just said, I'm so sorry. I know what this feels like. You know when you connect with someone because you know exactly what he's going through and he knows you know? And this mate of mine said to me, he just started crying. He said, Ross, I've had so many people come to me, but they just didn't know what I was going through. They couldn't feel what I was feeling. Jesus goes, I'm not going to live from on high, not knowing what they know, not feeling what they feel, not understanding what they're going through. I am going to come right down. I'm going to put myself into a body. I'm going to grow up in a poor man's house. I'm going to live in obscurity for 30 years. I'm going to be whipped and I'm going to live under taxes of around 80%. I'm going to put myself through every aspect of their pain, every temptation they face, everything they go through. I will feel what they feel so that I can, can I have your hand? Bring them into the throne of grace. 
My Jesus went through all he went through so that you could boldly come into the throne of grace. He gave it all up so that you could come, thank you so much, in times of economic pain, in times of heartache and bad marriage and hurting children and frustration and horrible work contexts. He did all that so he could grab hold of you and you could boldly go into the throne room of grace and go, Jesus, I have no money. Jesus, I have no joy. Jesus, I feel no love. Jesus, all I feel is betrayal. Jesus, all I feel is rejection. And you could go boldly into the throne of grace and know the dude on the inside gets you. And some of you don't understand he's got you. He understands and he's got the grace for it. And he's reaching down and he's saying, come back here. Come here, my boy. Come here, my girl. I see through your eyes. I feel what you feel. And so as we wrap this up, sorry. Oh, we've got, we've got a muser. I, I want to minister. Yes, come. Come here. You've ruined the moment, but this is a new volunteer. So give him a hand as he comes up. Jesus feels you. And he has what you need. Jesus feels you. And he has lavish grace. Not just a little bit of grace, not just enough for today. He he has lavish grace. He empathizes with your weaknesses. He felt them. And some of you in the pain that you're in, in the relationship you're in, in the struggle you're in, in the sense of failure that you're feeling. You know that on the cross, Jesus felt like he'd failed? How could he not? He says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He feels it. And if someone can feel me, and someone has access to my heavenly father, then that someone can heal me. And so right now, if you're in that desperate state, just stick up your hands. Because we have a son who empathizes and we have a father with enough grace. And just boldly in your heart, come into the throne room of grace and say, Jesus, you feel me, please fill me. Please heal me. Please strengthen me. Please restore me. I need you. Please carry me. God, I don't have enough. The tank's empty. Marriage is dry. 
prospects are limited. I need, I need rivers of living water. I need grace. I need a solution. Please come. I come boldly into the throne room of grace. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, will you, will you just pour out your Holy Spirit, pour your love into people's hearts, pour your grace onto their minds. Restore their souls, Lord. Renew their strength like the eagles. Carry them. And let your grace fill this place in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, there'll be some guys up at the front. If you just need to sit there, you're welcome. But may the grace of God and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and into this week. God bless you.